Welcome to the Sages Among Us. What makes a community great? Most importantly, it's the people who live and work there and are engaged in community life. The Sages Among Us focuses on those people, what they do and why they do it, and celebrates the leadership, time, and energy they bring to making a positive difference for all of us. Good evening and welcome to the Sages Among Us. I am Holly Grimaldi Flores and my guest tonight is Jan Fischler. Jan is an author, speaker, and writing coach. For the past few years, she's been teaching writing workshops on Zoom and speaking to women's groups. She's fascinated by the subconscious and how it can be used to make writing and life easier and more fun. Good evening, Jan. Hi, Holly. How are you? I'm well. How are you doing? Great. Thank, great. Thank you so much for being my guest tonight. I'm going to start asking you some of your basic questions, Jan. Like, where did oh. you grow up? I grew up in Toledo, Ohio. And how did you find your way to Nevada County? Oh, my gosh. Well, let's see. I finished college and put all my worldly possessions in the trunk of my VW Super Beetle, and I headed west and ended up in... San Diego for a while, and then I ended up going to grad school in San Francisco. And at that point, um, I lived there for a long time and in Oakland, and then my husband and I, I got married, and then he got a job in Nevada County, so we ended up here. And what was your educational background? Uh, let's see. I have a degree in English literature from Ohio University in Athens, Ohio. And I have a master's degree in education uh, from San Francisco State. And so when you got here, how did you make a living? I'm assuming you did. (laughs) I did. I did make a living. I had little kids, and um, I didn't really know what I was going to do. I'd been a freelance writer and video producer in the Bay Area. And so obviously, where would I go? Grass Valley Group. So I ended up getting some freelance work there and then I worked with their video transport division and I went all around the US videotaping training films about their fiber optic network so that was really fascinating it does actually sound fascinating you like the work did you have some role models and as you um, explored your career well it was interesting because when I broke into that industry I was one of the few women that was in it that wasn't like a fashion model or something. <laughs> no, I was behind the scenes. And I remember the first National Association of Broadcasters convention I went to. Um, I was working for a company called GTE. And my boss couldn't wait to get rid of me because there were all the women in bathing suits at the photography kiosks. So, um, And you were not. <laughs> no, there were very few women. I had no, there were no role models. Um, it was interesting times. So having not really have any role models in your industry, do you feel like you became one? Um, huh, that's a really good question. I, I don't know how to answer that. Um, yes, I did. For a while I worked at our, um, when I was going to school, this is before I even started working in the corporate world, um, I was working at a public access TV station in Marin County, and that's really how I learned how to be a videographer. Uh, I was just fascinated, and I used to just spend a lot of time there. Um, And one summer, there were a bunch of kids that were 
I think none of them drove. They must have been 14, 15. And I mentored them. They learned video production. And their big project was going to an Eddie Money concert and videotaping it. I love it. So I'm sure I'm sure I was some sort of role model. <laughs> I love, I'm trying to think of a quick Eddie Money reference that I could quip in there, but it it just didn't come to me. Um, yeah. Well, well, the interesting thing was uh, they were taping it at KQED, and it was really early in the morning. And I, I'm sure Eddie Money had been up for days. Yeah. He did have two tickets to Paradise. I knew I'd yes, get one in there. <laughs> so, so uh, I know that you have. Um, when raising your children, you were involved in helping with coaching and sports and that sort of thing. And I also know that in our community that you volunteered for a number of organizations. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? I've seen you on the streets at Fourth of July parades and such. Yeah, um, I pretty much was always involved in some sort of public access TV thing. I mean, I would jump in and help when needed. Um, and then for a while, I was on the board. I was the board president. And then I stepped in for about a year when, um, you know, there was no, no executive director. So I assumed that role for a while. Um, but that was the majority of my um, volunteerism was you, in that area. Do you think that it's important to give back to communities? Or Totally. Do- <clears throat> oh, yeah. I mean... There's nothing more gratifying than being able to be of service and to help people. Um, I, I, I have to remember, too, that I used to volunteer for veterans' organizations. Um, I, you know, I did a lot of, um, I, wrote, I used to write articles on post-traumatic stress disorder with a local therapist, and we were published in Vietnam National Magazine. And whenever they had the stand down here or whenever it was possible for me to teach writing workshops to veterans or their wives, you know, I would always step up and do that. Um, And and you had a personal attachment to that. Well, yeah, my husband's a a veteran, Vietnam Vietnam veteran. And it, it just felt like it was the right thing to do, you know, to give back to that particular group. I think giving... If you're going to spend your time volunteering, it better be with an organization that you have some sort of interest in or affinity for. Yes, yes, I I would agree. (laughs) Yeah. And somewhere along the way, somehow your kids magically became adults and you found yourself with some time. And I understand that before the book we are talking about tonight, uh, you wrote a book about your own journey uh, through adoption. I did, yeah. So I was adopted, and um, you know when I was, I was, when I was growing up, it was like, oh, your hair is brown, and your eyes are brown, and you're adopted. I mean, there was there was really no understanding of what that might mean psychologically or emotionally, and and so as I got older, um, I realized that that being adopted had a huge impact on my life, and so I decided I would write a memoir. And I took a lot of classes from local authors. I think Sands Hall was one of the classes and Louis B. Jones. And, you know, I had to learn the craft of fiction. And so I finally figured out how to write a memoir and decided in the end to self-publish it. And that was just a really, I would say, a healing journey. And it was a lot of fun, you know, to just get out there. And I talked to a lot of (coughs) Kiwanis and, you know, local uh, clubs and organizations at that time and sort of told my story 
and sold books. And I am guessing you got a lot of feedback as well that had an impact well, on you. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting how many people have been adopted and how many people searched, how many people haven't searched, and how their searches turned out. I mean, before I searched, I was um, terrified, you know, that I would find my birth mother because I, I really had no idea how to find my birth father. Um, the name on the birth certificate was, was not the accu- it wasn't accurate. She made it up. <laughs> so uh, well, That's one way to anyway, do it. <laughs> yeah. I thought, wow, she's pretty clever. I, I had a friend at the time. This is like in the early 90s when I was searching. And a friend of mine at the time worked for uh, a law office in San Francisco. And she said, no one in the continental United States had that last name. How interesting. And I thought, well, at least she was creative. <laughs> Indeed. Um, Yeah. You're listening to The Sages Among Us. I'm Holly Grimaldi Flores. My guest tonight is Jan Fischler, who is an author, speaker, and writing coach. And Jan, as we're talking about your writing, you started with a memoir, and you have written several books, and now you are teaching memoir writing. So how did that happen? Well, after I wrote my memoir, um, oh, this is a good story. So I was at Fire Tuck sitting at the bar, and... um, a woman was sitting next to me, and we just started talking about what we were doing. And she said, oh, I'm interested in writing a memoir. Um, would you teach a class? And I said, sure. And so that's how it started. You know, she got a bunch of friends, and I put the word out probably on email. And we sat around in the living room, and we had a little workshop. <laughs> and just like that. Yeah, that's how how it happened. Let's talk a little bit about um, Don't Stop Now. I know you co-authored that, but there was life changes that got you into that realm as well. Yeah. Well, you know, you talked about role models earlier. And so my co-author is Jan Forte, and she also is my neighbor, and she was the editor of my memoir. And we'd been friends for a long time, and we're about the same age. And it was just this time, it was, I think, 19, or 2015, and I don't know, nothing was, nothing was going wrong in my life. There were no fires I had to put out. You know, my, my kids were pretty well launched, and my husband, who'd had a bunch of health issues with, you know, shoulder replacements and knee replacements, he was doing fine. And, um, but for years before that, my daughter had had Lyme disease, and so I spent a lot of time taking care of her and trying to get her the help she needed. Um, so I quit working, essentially. You know, I stopped doing my own thing. And it hit me one day. I just woke up and I went, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I was sort of done volunteering. Um, the TV station had an executive director. You know, I didn't really want to volunteer there anymore. And I was just beside myself. And... So Elle and I happened to be taking a walk, and, and we started talking about this issue, and she said, oh, she had just written a book proposal for a similar book, that, or a book, you know, on the same topic, only it was for women. She, was, she wanted to look for role models who were extraordinary. And I was just like, well, how about just some normal people right. who are doing good things, you know, like who are doing something because you turn 65 and it's like, I still had a lot of energy. My brain was still working. 
um, I, I just wasn't done, but I didn't want to go get an, a job job. Right. You know, I, so uh, we started talking, and then we went away for the weekend, and we realized we had a book, you know, that my idea and her idea really could work together, and um, we collaborated, and we created this book. Well, and you know, I for think... Women, yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt. I was just going to say, I think for women, especially, just as you're saying, at a certain age, you know, you've transformed from being the person you were to becoming a wife and a mother, which definitely changes your life. And then suddenly you don't, you're, that job is no longer required. So a lot of women, I think, get to that place of what, what now? And right. And yeah, and a lot of women have grandkids and stuff. And at that time, I didn't. And I didn't really think I ever would. And so in my mind, it was like, okay, well, I'm not going to just sit around forever. (laughs) And really, at this point, the only thing I'm really good at is writing. So um, it it made sense to fill my time with writing a book. What is some of the feedback that you've gotten now that the book's been out and you, I know you've spoken to a number of groups about it? Yeah. So the thing that's really interesting about this book and there's an assessment at the beginning of each chapter. And the book is based on, what are they called? It's like those wheels, a life planning wheel is what it's called. And it's just, it's like slices of the pie that talks about different aspects of your life. You know, relationships, career, spirituality, friends, you know, all the things. And I think guidance counselors in high school and maybe college, if you have a good one, might go through this with you, you know, and helping you plan for your future. Of course, no one did that. I never had seen anything like that. And I had seen this wheel, I think it was on Pinterest, and I brought that when we went away for the weekend, and I said, we need something like this. You know, we need to talk about the slices of this wheel that are relevant to women our age. For example? Well, giving back is one of them, or lifelong learning is another and relations, relationships are still important, you know, but it's different than you're not starting a family. It's like you might have to repair some relationships or, you know, create a better relationship with maybe your adult children. Um, so, and there's a whole chapter we decided that has to be about money. Um, not that we're experts on money, but there are so many women who don't know anything about their household finances right you know they the husband does all that and then the husband passes away and the wife doesn't even know where the safety deposit box is or what's in it right. or so, what those passwords are or where to find them exactly exactly and so these it's really practical so um you know there are different chapters and each one starts with uh, an assessment and you might go through it and go hey, I have this health and wellness, you know, I'm good. I don't, everything that you talk about in this chapter, I've nailed it, no problem. But there might be another chapter that has to do with um, your emotions. Maybe, maybe you're having some anxiety or, or feelings that are uncomfortable or you're, you're suddenly afraid that you can't drive at night or you're worried about issues that you never even thought about before. So... 
when you see that chapter, you go, oh, well, this is where I could do some work. And we have, you know, resources for that. So I think a lot of women have read this and they feel really good about a lot of it. Like, okay, I'm good. And then it helps them identify the areas that could use a little work. Uh, it seems like we get to this place of there's something missing. And, and uh, the title, Don't Stop Now, is there is something missing and you don't have to give up who you are for the rest of your days, right? No, and and as women too, you know, we forget how far we've come. I mean, we really, we don't even stop to acknowledge how much we've accomplished in our lives. And, you know, it's a fun thing I've done in workshops where I just ask people to start making a list of everything they've done. And let's start with, I learned to walk, I learned to talk, I learned to ride a bike. But, you know, you keep going and... Maybe you learned to be kind. Maybe you learned how to be, um, how to comfort somebody who's sad. I mean, we have so much that we just blow off and move on to the next thing. Right. And um, take it for granted as just part of the day-to-day when really uh, you can be making an impact that could be extraordinary. I'm talking tonight with Jan Fischler. You're listening to The Sages Among Us. And Jan, as an author and speaker, and I know you've now evolved into teaching others. And is that something you find gratifying? Is it challenging? Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I love teaching workshops. I just finished, um, it was a month-long memoir writing workshop, and there were 13 people, all women. It just turned out that way. Who took it? And um, my star student happened to be 92 years old and living in Florida. I love this. I love Zoom because you can put together just this amazing cross section of people from all over. And this woman was from India originally, and she moved to this country when she was uh, 38 years old. And but very educated, has a PhD in education. She is the most fascinating person. She is writing this memoir comparing and contrasting growing up in India and what it's like growing up in the United States for her great-grandchildren. That's amazing. <laughs> and she's so smart, and she's, you know, she's got all this history, and she's been on the planet such a long time, and she actually had met Gandhi. And, I mean, it's such a privilege to work with someone like that, um, which... You know, if we if there hadn't been a pandemic and we weren't all on Zoom for our lives, or a lot, big section of our lives, I never would have met her. So, there's the positive: finding something really good that's come out of this <laughs> pandemic. And right, there's a pony in there somewhere. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, so you've been in Nevada County then for over 20 years or so. Is that fair? 91 since 91. Yeah, so um, 30 years. You you do the math, yeah. Okay. I, it's, it's easy enough to do with the, you, you're back into your children's ages, right? And That's right. What kept you here? Uh, Why that, Nevada County? You know, you've got the whole world to choose. Mm, well, it's, I mean, it's so idyllic. You know, there's just about everything you want in a small town. Um I'm really comfortable here. I love to walk and hike, and so it's easy to do that. You don't have to drive far to go out to eat or to do anything. Um, I can't imagine where else I would go, although sometimes I think Portugal would be fun to explore, you know, just spend some time there. But, I mean, I've traveled a lot. I've, 
I've gone to a lot of places, but, you know, coming back here, it's home. You know, it's a place I've lived the longest. And I know this last couple of years uh, has certainly had the community more divisive than maybe we were ever aware. Do you see it coming back to where, you know, I always thought this community was so unique that we all took care of each other. Do you mm-hmm. think that's still true? Oh, boy. Well, the political reality that we have gone through um, with the past president was shocking in so many ways because it gave a lot of people permission to voice opinions that before they had kept to themselves. Um, I think everything's out in the open, and we know know who's who and what's what. I, I mean, I wish I had the skills to bridge some kind of gap um, because bringing people together is really important. And it makes me feel sad that there's so much anger and that so many people have chosen to be so hardcore <laughs> about their beliefs. It's just, it's, it, it's a contrary to any Buddhist teachings I've read about or any meditation that I might do. It, it's just um, shocking to me. Um, we were, you know, growing up, we were always taught you didn't have to be best friends with people, but you you should at least be able to have a conversation or talk through your differences and come to some reasonable um, conclusion or, you know, just, right. it, it just, bleh. <laughs> so, no, it's sad. And I don't know that it's ever going to be fixed because the line is hard and, I don't know why people feel this way. I mean, the pendulum will eventually swing back. It always does. Well, I think but. we polite society has kind of took a took a hiatus, and so now we have to rediscover acceptance and kindness, and uh, mostly kindness, I think. And well, yeah. and I brought that up because I wonder about with some of the projects that you are doing, and um, with some of your workshops, if you are hearing that or feeling that or have there been that shift among your students? You know, it's it's really interesting because the people I attract typically are like-minded, you know, so I'm not really uh, having to deal with um, a lot of controversy and, and people who are saying and doing things that I find objectionable. Um, well, that's so fortunate. <laughs> It, it is. <laughs> uh, because you can I, say, oh, I'm full, right? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I mean, I just, I hate that kind of confrontation. It makes me so uncomfortable, you know, when people have just, they're so strong-willed in their views. Um, I, I really have trouble dealing with it. So I would probably just try to walk around it <laughs> rather than um, be solid in front of it. Well, it's interesting because I think about that from the aspect of writing because you can kind of turn things, you know, you can um, interpret. That's part of what writing is about. It's creative and you help people through that process. So I was just curious about um, if you've seen this shift and how you would deal with it. But it does make sense that you would attract people who are more attracted to your line of thinking. Right. I mean, I can tell you just from the Zoom calls I have with women, uh, usually once a week, that in the height of uh, the Trump era, a lot of them were very upset and extremely angry and discouraged. And 
okay. <laughs> and here we are. Yeah, I, I, all we can do is act locally and vote locally and get involved locally, you know, and make a difference on the ground floor as opposed to complaining. And, I, I mean, that's where I have trouble. It's like, okay, if you're going to complain about it, do something about it. Right. And Write you, a letter. And <laughs> I so agree with you that we can only take care of our own community, and that's really what this show is about civic leadership and people who are involved in our community and who really do want to make a difference. So if you had the power to wave a magic wand to make an improvement in our community, what would it be? Well, one thing, well, one thing I would change is at the board of supervisors meetings, I would make it unacceptable for people to scream at each other. There's a good <laughs> Or at any, any public forum. I just think we all need to take uh, communication 101, you know, whether it's non-defensive communication or something. I think we all need to start with learning how to um, express ourselves in a way that is calm and centered and grounded and meaningful and not uh, bring all this anger and fury, which is not going to resolve anything. Right. It's, it's like, you know, two-year-olds having a temper tantrum. <laughs> You know, yes. if they're in the middle of the store screaming, pick them up and take them outside. You <laughs> right. know, it's like, stop. don't do this, but you don't, you don't yell back at them. Stop screaming. Right. I, not if you're sane. So it's the same thing, having a shouting match with somebody who's supercharged and triggered is not really going to resolve anything. And I think we need to learn how to disengage and listen. You know, just listen. And listen to different points of view without being right. so defensive that you can't hear what people have to say. Right. And, that, you know, you have a choice. If, if, if watching the news triggers you, don't watch it. There <laughs> you, know? you go. What a great idea that is. <laughs> Just well, something simple. We've talked a lot about your books and, and uh, also some of the workshops you're doing, but we have not talked at all about how people who might be interested in those books or workshops would get a hold of you. So could you share that? Okay. Um, my name is Jan Fischler, F-I-S-H-L-E-R. My email is gmail.com, and my website is myname.net. Um, uh, anything I'm doing is on the front page of my website, so that's a good place to start. I'm doing a really interesting thing, and it's free right now. Um, I am hosting on Zoom every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday morning from 7 to 8 a.m., Pacific time. So I have a lot of people from the East Coast who drop in. Um, but it's a drop in and write. Uh, a lot of people don't like to write alone or they want to um, develop, cultivate a, a writing practice with a little bit of accountability. Like, I don't know what you're writing, but you can show up. And I just started doing it a week ago. And today I had four people. So I think word's starting to get out. Uh, but it's it's been really interesting, um, starting off slow and getting to meet people who found me through Eventbrite or Facebook. So And you are writing anyway, right? Isn't that part of the yeah. reason for doing that? Yeah, I thought, well, yeah. I mean, it's nice for me to meet other people, and um, I'm, I write early in the morning anyway. So it, it's been fun. Um, I, I have all of two minutes for this question, so, I'm, so I need kind of a shortish, shortish answer. But yeah. why do you think writing is important? 
I think it's a really great way to express what is in your heart, and it's a way to process emotions and thoughts that you have that you might not really think about if you just talk. So you can read it again. You know, you can keep journals. You can throw the journals away eventually, but it's a, it's a really good way to just um, know what, know what's really going on inside of you. And for people who think they can't write, what would you say to that? Well, everybody can write. We all went to school. You know, you can put a sentence together. You might not think you're good enough, but if you if you want to write, you take classes, you get better at it, you practice. It's a craft. It's not a gift. I mean, it's a craft. The more you do it, the better you get. I like that. All right, and here's my last question for the evening. If you had to, oh, I should probably do this. If you <laughs> uh, were told that you had to give your time doing something, what would that something be? Well, I would just keep giving away writing classes. It's so much fun for me and the people who take them. Well, thank you so much. And thanks so much for being my guest tonight. I've been speaking with Jan Fischler. You can find out more about her at janfischler.net. She is the author of Don't Stop Now and several other books and a really great writing coach. I'm Holly Grimaldi-Flores. This is The Sages Among Us on KVMR.